this be one of the best moments of your life. You're listening to the Business Mirror Podcast for a broader look on business with Senior Editor Dennis Estopase. Good day. Welcome to the Business Mirror BM Broader Look Podcast. Today we podcast the abridged version of the Broader Look story titled Of Woke and Weaponized Words. Asians take up challenges in media internet literacy. The story was written by Business Mirror writer Rizal Raul Reyes and was published on February 4, 2021. For the full text version online, please go to the Business Mirror website and search for Broader Look. For the print edition, please read the Business Mirror newspaper. Let's get on with the story. 80 years ago, British journalist Sefton Delmer began helping win the war against the Germans by wielding the pen, its ink flowing with the equivalent of today's fake news. 80 years later, the British media and other democracies are confronting the very same monster they helped create. But the circumstances during Delmer's time, according to the Smithsonian Magazine article about him, were very, very different. The internet would be born four decades later. Now, with a percentage of people worldwide with internet access hitting 90%, the problem of fake news, disinformation, and misinformation of Delmer's era is no longer a problem only for the Germans. The United Nations Educational Scientific Cultural Organization, or UNESCO, has called this phenomenon infolution. In its laureate seminar in 2016 in Paris, France, the UNESCO defined infolution as the combination of information and pollution composed of cyberbullying, violent video game, obscene content, viral rumors, technology addiction, and privacy invasion. The seminar was the start of an initiative to make Information and Communications Technology, or ICT, to help educate young people, especially children, become more digitally aware and well-informed digital citizens. Two years later, the UNESCO calls this Media and Information Literacy, or MIL. According to the UNESCO, MIL recognizes the primary role of information and media in everyday lives. It lies at the core of freedom of expression and information since it empowers citizens to understand the functions of media and other information providers to critically evaluate their content and to make informed decisions as users and producers of information and media content. That initiative comes at a time when there's a proliferation of fake news. Sharmila Parmanand of the University of Melbourne said sociological reasons are behind the growth of disinformation and fake news. The UNESCO defines disinformation as information that is false and deliberately created to harm a person, social group, organization, or country. Parmanand pointed out the current uncertainty in the environment is a big contributing factor that leads to the spread of and belief in conspiracy theories. As a result, this feeds to the psyche of people who wants to be in control of their lives amid the uncertainties brought about by the pandemic and the state response to address the pandemic. Parmanand, who has a master's degree in gender and development, observed that a lot of people find it difficult to accept 
that they don't have control over the things happening around them. Parmanan said, there's a certain lack of comfort on not knowing who to blame. That kind of anxiety needs to be addressed. Parmanand also observed that undermining authority has become prevalent in this era, where people are yearning for populist solutions that provide quick fixes and finger-snap solutions. Parmanand said this condition allows so-called experts to have their work to connect with the ordinary people cut out, but makes disinformation accessible in the first place. The traditional drivers are led by people who don't trust traditional authorities anymore, Parmanand explained. It becomes problematic when one doesn't trust traditional media, which makes it more challenging to get the right information, Parmanand added. According to Parmanand, people are now living in a time of high anxiety and the desire to desperately control their lives. Of course, she said, there are obviously certain actors who take advantage of this situation. To note, the UNESCO differentiates disinformation with misinformation. The UNESCO said misinformation is different in that information, albeit also false, is not created with the intention of causing harm. Malinformation, the UNESCO added, is information that is based on reality used to inflict harm on a person, social group, organization, or country. Valamiel Vestil cautioned digital natives on the consumption of online content. Vestil, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Association of Young Environmental Journalists, said some people surfing the World Wide Web go to websites developed to engage people but are fake and dubious in nature. Heather Fabricant, spokesperson for the United States Embassy in the Philippines, said the U.S. government is concerned about the spread of infodemic, which has been amplified with the spread of COVID-19. The World Health Organization has defined an infodemic as the overabundance of information both online and offline. The World Health Organization said infodemic includes deliberate attempts to disseminate wrong information to undermine the public health response and advance alternative agendas of groups or individuals. The World Health Organization said misinformation and disinformation can be harmful to people's physical and mental health, increase stigmatization, threaten precious health gains, and lead to poor observance of public health measures, thus reducing their effectiveness and endangering countries' ability to stop the pandemic. The World Health Organization further emphasized that this information is polarizing public debate on topics related to COVID-19, amplifying hate speech, heightening the risk of conflict, violence, and human rights violations, and threatening long-term prospects for advancing democracy, human rights, and social cohesion. The disinformation has reached a frightening level during the health crisis, and it's quite important that the youth sector to work together to find the solutions brought about by the threats of disinformation, Fabricant said. Two Filipinos, meanwhile, are pushing for media internet literacy, also MIL. They are De La Salle University Public Programs Librarian Donalyn Labangon and De La Salle University Readers Services Librarian John Louis Zabala. In their research paper, Labangon and Zabala explained that media internet literacy 
is anchored under the principle of freedom of expression and information, empowering citizens to gain understanding on the function of media information providers, evaluate provided content, and make well-thought and informed decisions as the main consumers of media and information. With media and information getting more complicated, Labangon and Zabala said there is a need to ensure platforms that can still foster civil and peaceful discourse between people of different cultural backgrounds. In their research paper titled Towards a Literate Studentry, Media and Information in the Philippines, Labangon and Zabala said teachers are key to media and information literacy. However, majority of the instructors fail to undergo professional preparatory training for media and information literacy, though a number of instructors were able to get it. Labangon and Zabala said the lack of MIL-related programs was the main reason why majority failed to get any. Other factors were unavailability of funds, lack of administrative support, and lax regulation. The respondents in Labangon and Zabala's paper came from the National Capital Region, Region 3, Region 7, and Region 12. Region 7 has the biggest respondents with nearly 55%. More than half of the respondents came from public schools, while 46% came from private schools. With a limited number of respondents, Labangon and Zabala said, Implementing media and information literacy on a national scale is not yet achievable. Majority of the MIL instructor respondents were not exposed to prior training due to the unavailability of sessions and training for such. The author said, this widens the blur on the quality of the instruction they impart to the students. Nonetheless, they said school libraries were seen active in assisting MIL instructions. However, the authors said public libraries were less visible. There was no mention of the barangay reading centers as supplementary facilities to media and information literacy instruction. According to Labangon and Zabala, there could have been some remedial measures to increase the students' exposure to library services after formal school hours. Ramon Guillermo Tuazon, a professor at the Asian Institute of Journalism and Communication, told an audience in a recent forum that media and information literacy should be taught not only in the senior level of the K-12 program, but also in the grade school level and even in technical vocational programs. According to Tuazon, there should be age-appropriate lessons integrated in the entire K-12 curriculum. Media and information literacy can be a separate subject, according to Tuazon. It should also be integrated in the different topics in other courses in all levels, even in preschools. Tuazon, who is also the UNESCO Lead Media Development Specialist in Myanmar, added that cyber wellness must also be taught in preschool as much as media and information literacy is needed in secondary education. Tuazon noted that the UNESCO encourages mainstreaming media and information literacy even in non-formal education classes and in appropriate vocational technical courses. According to Tuazon, one of the missing links in MIL curriculum is the freedom of information and right to information framework. The other missing link is cyber wellness or the balanced online and offline life, privacy, and online relationships. 
He added there should also be topics on the psychosocial impact of technology and disinformation strategies and tools. For example, the use of algorithm, artificial intelligence, media literacy, and conspiracy theories, among others. Toazon said, Media and information literacy provides the framework for enabling young minds to make the right choice. They must be able to choose freedom over control, tolerance over hate, diversity over homogeneity, and most importantly, truth over lies. As digital literacy is the lifeline of today's digital natives, Toazon reiterated that responsible digital citizenship is a key element of the media and information literacy ecosystem. Moreover, a responsible digital citizen possesses an engaged mind able to speak up and push back to reclaim a free, safe, and truthful public space. A responsible digital citizen will ensure truth matters, or rather, truth always wins, Toazon said. Toazon lamented that governments, the business sector, and even non-government organizations think teaching media and information literacy is not enough to combat fake news. Moreover, many governments believe that fake news and hate speech can be fought with legislation, regulations, and control, he said. However, Toazon said research studies have shown that laws will not impede the distribution of false and misleading information. On the contrary, he said, Prior research shows that these sorts of laws have chilling effects on the broad range of public communication. According to Vestil, users should have a good discernment in choosing the people they meet on the internet. In the fight against disinformation, the youth should counter it with authentic content they will create, Vestil suggests. Promoting intellectualism is a good way to start in building the content, he added. Vestil said developing a voracious reading habit and a critical mind are important foundations to become an enlightened citizenry. Vestil recommends that young people set aside time to read, research, and check on the sources used for creating content. Failure to do it might lead them to create misinformation and deliberate disinformation. Vestil added that people can also use their media accounts to propagate true information. In this age of fake news and disinformation, Vestils emphasize that it is important for Filipinos to develop a woke culture. Being woke was appropriated from black culture and used as an adjective to refer to social awareness. Vestils said everybody should be awoke now considering the things happening around them. Vestil, a Siliman University alumnus, added that being woke is beneficial to a society as people can have the opportunity to discuss issues that can help change a society. At this point, he said it is important for Filipinos, especially the youth, to discuss what woke culture is and what is not woke culture. In woke culture, Vestil said there are no rude and unkind words. Being antagonistic and confrontational are not parts of being awoke, Vestil said. Vestil said the problem comes in when people become vicious, highlighted by malicious and verbal attacks. It is not good to cancel people out because of their opinion, Vestil explained. It is good to engage people in a good manner and woke culture could be defined as being aware and doing something on that awareness. Meanwhile, Vestil reminded people they have three important roles to play in social media. These roles are, according to him, 
a critical consumer of information, a critical distributor of information, and a critical producer of information. We still remind people that consumption of information is not only the responsibility of media, but also of the individuals who are distributors of information. As people click the share button, it means people are already distributors of information, Vestil explained. Toazon, meanwhile, is urging the youth to reclaim their public space, which he said has been lately ruled by disinformation and even hate speech. When young people commit to a better world, it gives all of the young and old alike hope for a better future, Toazon said. Thank you for listening to the Business Mirror Podcast. For a broader look on business, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Business Mirror. Until next time.